We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and Happy New Year to all and for whom you have love. I hope that this year will be a blessing to each one of you and that you will be able to manifest all of your truest soul desires. Now, we've heard of the spirit of Christmas past, and we've heard of the spirit of Christmas present and the spirit of Christmas future. We heard it all on uh, Scrooge. But what is the spirit of a new beginning? In fact, what is a new beginning? We tend to think that a new beginning is all about, well, I just say I'm going to do this. Now it's the new year and I'm going to start a new diet and it's going to work for me. That's a new beginning because I've said it was going to be a new beginning. It's just been a few weeks since the end of the Mayan calendar where some Hollywood moguls thought it was a good idea to talk about the end of the world. And other people began to call forth a new awakening. But have we begun? Have we begun again? Are there transformative powers at work? And what does it mean to begin a new year? to develop a new habit, to change a new way of thinking. How does a beginning happen? Well, it happens, or it doesn't, because of its spirit. There's a spirit base to a true new beginning because it is conducted in and by spirit. Its source isn't found in our thoughts, our emotions, or our actions, unlike what we often hear. Its source is found in our essence, where all action that is action occurs effortlessly. So today... At this time of new beginnings, we're going to be talking about that spirit, how we access it, and its power to carry a new beginning through to its destination. So when we talk about beginnings, generally we talk in terms of these these days of self-improvement. We talk about how we're going to improve ourselves, how we're going to make ourselves better, smarter, uh, thinner, uh, um, more capable, more honest, more... Uh, hardworking, more dedicated, more committed, etc., etc. We're going to do something that's going to change us into something else. And uh, and when we say it, we really mean it. Uh, I'm sure that many of you out there have heard addicts and alcoholics promise that they're not going to drink again or use again, and they mean it. At the moment that they say it, they mean it. But not too long after that, they're drinking or using again. And that's the nature of addiction. And in terms of our what is familiar to us, we are all addicted to what's familiar to us. In fact, what's familiar to us will flick its little finger and say, come on back, seductively, and we'll just come right back. Mostly because we're triggered. 
we're triggered in some way to go back to what we understand. Um, we, the, uh, people have talked in the past about uh, a, a body set, a weight that we reach where we just, it's familiar to our psychology and we just won't go, we won't lose any more weight after that point or at least we have to work really hard to make that happen. What is familiar to us has a strong, strong pull, even if it's extremely dysfunctional. But because it's familiar, we tend to think of it as going home. It's a kind of going home where we pack up our things from the new world we've created and just slip back into that old place. And it carries with it a whole bunch of emotions, maybe chaos, maybe shame, maybe um, maybe terror, maybe anger, maybe rage, maybe uh, emotions that we don't know how to work with. And so they take over and we slip back into the old. And then we get mad at ourselves and we say, well, how, how could I have done that? How could I be so stupid to have done that again? And we just want to kick ourselves around for a while, which is maintaining the old place. And then we think, well, okay, now I've done that. I've slipped back. And either I'm going to stay here in the slip back place or I'm going to go back to trying something new. It's a little bit like what happens in meditation when we're meditating and we're uh, a lot of people say we have to stop the monkey mind from chattering during meditation. I don't agree with that. But because so many of us think that way, we tend to say, oh my gosh, I'm back in the monkey mind again and I'm thinking all these things and worrying about all these things and planning out my day, etc., etc. But with mindfulness meditation, what we do is simply go, okay, there I am doing that. There I am doing that. And then we kind of slip back into, okay, now I'm doing this. I'm meditating again. And then we slip back into the monkey mind and go, okay, there I am doing that. There I am being the monkey mind again. And now I'm going to slip back into the meditative state again. So it's a little like that when we think think in terms of transformation. Beating ourselves up for slipping back into the familiar is generally not going to help. So I want to say that before I say anything else. This, what we're talking about today, is not intended to facilitate our... um our beating ourselves up or judging ourselves or harshly criticizing ourselves so that we think in terms only of self-improvement. In fact, I don't think that real beginnings have anything at all to do with self-improvement, though they do have something to do with self-manifestation. Because, as I said in the beginning, all true change, all true new beginnings come from a spirit within us. And that spirit is our soul. It is our authentic self. And for me, those two wor- those words are interchangeable. Authentic self is soul, and soul is authentic self. For other people, the authentic self is just your personality, and your soul is, is something else entirely. I, I think that's way too many divisions. We've got enough on our plate already. Um, I think that who we actually are at our essence is an authentic self, and that is also who we actually are as soul. And let's take it one step further. That's who we also actually are as divine self. So, you know, we can talk about the authentic self in its purely psychological terms. And a lot of people will hear that and be able to assimilate that information because it's just who we actually are. But if we take that to its final destiny, its final definition, I should say, what we get is that who we are authentically is 
who we are as soul. And who we are as soul is the divine self. Now, what do I mean when I say divine self? What I don't mean is some kind of messianic complex (laughs) or some kind of image of ourselves as better than other people or special in any kind of way other than the way that everyone else is special. But what I do mean is that we're, we're in the process of a, we are all in a process of discovery. And what the thing is that we're discovering is who we actually are. And who we actually are is a divine being created here by us, for us, and about us to live out the duality mindset in which we don't think we're divine self, in which we do not believe that we are one with the divine. And we live that out in order to establish uh, a union between form and formlessness. Okay, so I've talked about this several times, but I'll just briefly go over this again. Um, form was created. When form was created, there had previously been no form. All was formless and void, as it, it was said in in uh, the Hebrew Bible or the Christian Old Testament. And that formlessness and voidness was what was going to change. And forever after that, there was going to be something new. Prior to that, everything had been formless and void. After that moment or length of time, however long it took to create form, there was something new in the universe. But that new thing had to get its feet. Just like we watch, you know, an animal be born and we see it try to get up and it wobbles around a little bit. Well, the new thing, this new form had to get its feet. And in order to do that, it, it had to experiment with the idea that form was now separate from the divine, the formless. And in that process, we have an elongated discovery that's been taking place since that moment in which we've played around, dabbled, created, recreated, uncreated, and created again this whole concept of ourselves as separate from the divine. The reason we have to do that is we have to go to the nth degree of what it's like to be separate from the divine as form before we can realize form as one with the divine. And once we realize that, there will be no no uh, concept of separation anymore. That concept will go away just like formlessness um, shifted into form. The concept of, of, of separation will shift into union. So at that point, the form and formlessness will be one. And I don't know what that's going to look like or feel like, but I imagine that it's going to feel a lot like um, formlessness that knows itself also as form and form that knows itself also as formlessness. So that might mean that we can flip in and out of form. That might mean that we can go into our quantum spaces and be living in that and we can also live in our um, in our form, in the place that is uh, coalesced into what we call form. Uh, actually, for, form and formlessness are already one, as our quantum physics physicians are now teaching us, uh, because everything that is form is also formlessness, because there's lots of space in between the quarks and the uh, other entities that are inside of us that create the the matter that we see. So if I were as tiny as a 
quark, I might fall through several molecules before I reach something that is solid. Um, and even then, the solid would be smaller than that and smaller than that and smaller than that until it's formless. And so this whole idea isn't about goodness and evil, as we've been taught that it is. It isn't about whether or not we're measuring up to some standard, which our criticism, self-criticism would want for us. It, and it's not about self-improvement. So when we're talking in terms of self-improvement, what we're, what we're doing is basically lying to ourselves. We're basically saying, I have to make myself better instead of saying, I have to realize my authentic self. And that's what this is all about. That's what real change is all about. And that's why we can say honestly that it comes with its own spirit. And the spirit that it comes with is the spirit of your soul. Now, those are two other words that people tend to separate, spirit and soul. Soul is one thing and spirit is another. I've never, ever been able to wrap my mind around what it was that people were saying when they tried to split those off. But I don't split them off. I think they're the same thing. So when we talk about soul, we're also talking about spirit. When we talk about soul, we're also talking about divine self. When we talk about soul, we're also talking about the authentic self because they are all one and the same. They're just words to describe the same thing. They describe them differently, but they are, they do describe them in their own way. So spirit is something we generally think of in terms of formlessness. Soul we think of as kind of a little bit form and a little bit formlessness. And, uh, and, uh, body, of course, we think of as form. And the authentic self we think of as a psychology. So you put all that together into one unit and you can call it soul if you want, but that's what I call it because it's easier. Um, so, uh, in terms of change, in terms of new beginnings, what we have to do, if we're going to really see that change all the way through to its end, is we need to get with the soul. We need to get with the spirit. Uh, we need to find out what it, it's up to. Because generally speaking, what we're doing is operating against ourselves. We've got one part of us that believes itself separate from the divine that is acting in fear and haste and judgment and and um, all kinds of chaos and uh, drama, etc., etc., in order to um, somehow bridge the gap between ourselves and the divine. All of our efforts are to get us to some place where we feel safer, more whole, more unified, more okay. Um, and whether that's by making more money or by convincing someone that we're lovable, or by telling somebody off that we're mad at, or whatever it is we're trying to do, ultimately, the the ultimate goal is that we want to feel okay. We want to feel like we have peace. We want to we want things to to uh, operate in a matter that is feeling loved. We feel loved by it, and we feel taken care of by it. So, in, in its bottom line, what we're all trying to do is to get to that place where we recognize and realize ourselves as divine. And even all the actions that we take that are coming out of that belief that we're separate from the divine, even those will eventually coalesce into an identification with the divine. Because we will, we will evolve through every energetic interface we have with this other belief system. Um, and we will be, we will be impacted by 
everything that we do and say and think in that other world so that the soul is constantly sort of pushing on that a little bit like water over a rock. And eventually the rock that is the belief that we're separate from the divine will slowly change into a recognition that it can't be separate from the divine. So that's what we're about the business of doing here. And if we can just get with that instead of, um, instead of, uh, pushing on, pushing on, pushing on into the familiar routine of, uh, of, of living as if we're separate from the divine, that is where we will learn what it is that needs to begin. We can't know what needs to begin just by telling ourselves, I need to improve this area of my life. I mean, that sounds good. It sounds real good to us. I'm going to self-improve. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be more honest. I'm going to be more whatever. It sounds real good. But when it comes down to actually doing it, the familiar rears its ugly head and pulls us seductively back into its hold, and we're lost again in that miasma. So envisioning what it is that the soul wants to give us Envisioning that is what is going to help us get with the spirit that is the effortless effort of a new beginning. Until and unless we can really uh, hear from our spirit what it is that it wants to shift or begin, we're not going to be able to know. It's a little bit like um, a musician who needs to hear from the pitch pipe before he starts singing. Our soul is our pitch pike, pipe, not pike. <laughs> um, our soul is that, that, um, that essence of who we are that has our pitch. It has our pace. It has our, uh, our movement, our music, our power, our light. It has everything. It has everything we need and want right there in it. And the shift that we might want to bring into the world, even if it's something as simple and as difficult as buying a car, for example. Say, I want to go buy a new car this year, and I'm going to do my research, and I'm going to um, uh, um, take that um, research, and I'm going to apply it to what I need to do, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy myself a car. Even if that's the change I want to make, if it's not coming from spirit, it's going to be harder to to manifest, and it's going to be, um, it's it, the spirit, the soul will use that whatever we do to bring about its wishes. But still, our our we will we tend to want to fall back into the familiar. So what we might do is buy a car that puts us in debt because we're debtors. We tend to think in terms of debt and lack and all that kind of stuff. So um, when the when the process of beginning again, begins again, it really needs to come from its source. And the source of energy and truth and power is our soul, not some decision we've made in our head. And we're going to talk some more about the the whole process of what that means to be in our head, what that means all about thought after the break in just a few minutes. But um, the, the determining factor for whether or not we're going to be able to follow through on any design we have toward a new beginning is going to be based entirely on 
whether or not it's coming from soul. Not, you know, willpower or mind power or um, trying to get ourselves to think positive or any of that. It's not going to come from that. Although that's what we've been taught. I hear it. It's what we've been taught. But it isn't true. Power, all power, comes from the divine self and nowhere else. And there is no other design worth worth uh, investing in. So when it comes down to it, here's what's real. Soul is real. The belief that we are not divine beings is not real. And any new beginning, if it's going to be a real beginning, has to come from soul. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to the power of an unstoppable woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host. Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will help you to heal yourself, support those around you, and enhance your work and your relationships. Healing can be physical, emotional, or spiritual, and it can be personal or collective for the healing of our planet. Dr. Allison and her guests will offer methods of healing that will go beyond your life and reach the lives of others. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show, airing live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internships, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., 
as well as holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. You want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You can, can you put $150 per month toward manifesting your dream? Right now, AIHT is taking $250 off of your 2012 tuition. With a $250 down payment and a $150 a month, you can begin today. Start today making that dream career you've always wanted to come true so that you can give your special gift with all of its passion to your world. And today we're talking about how to have a new beginning, how to make a new beginning really work. That's what we're really trying to say. And what we said before the break was that it was going to take us getting in touch with the spirit of the new beginning in order for us to really facilitate a new beginning that lasts. And the reason for that is not because we're bad people or weak people or wrong people or stupid people. It's because we are very much attached to what is familiar, what we have always known. And what is known in this world as an archetype for for most human beings is the notion that we're separate from the divine, that somehow we're down here off our tether. (laughs) We've just gotten off our tether some kind of way, and we're not attached to the divine. And one of the main reasons we're not attached to the divine is because we're bad people, and the divine is good people. And therefore, we can't really be connected to the divine. In the Western theology, there's a whole lot of information about that, starting with eating that bad apple at, uh, at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that archetype has a whole different meaning when you think about it metaphorically, as you've seen from different shows I've done here. But but the notion is that we're bad people, and therefore we cannot be one with the divine. And the only thing we can do is get forgiveness for our sins. And in other religions, it isn't necessarily forgiveness of our sins that we're seeking, but we are seeking to be good people so that we don't build bad karma. Um, and still other religions, uh, we're trying to become the Buddha nature. Um, there's there's some effort to shift into something else. And, of course, in Zen Buddhism, there is the self that is no self. And that is what I'm talking about today. Not that I am a Zen Buddhist. I'm not. I'm not any particular religion. Um, I, I do have uh, little pieces of every religion that I, I espouse as truth for me. But uh, the idea is that change is going to have to come, new beginnings are going to have to come from something deeper than just the decision to do a change. Now, we'll talk a little bit about that whole thing of decisions and thinking because in our, in our, in the new age, new thought world today, there are many, many, many people out there who are teaching us that if we want to build a future, we have to think good thoughts. And that's not just coming from the law of attraction, although that's where it started with books like The Secret and uh, several of the books by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Um, and that was really a good start. We really did need to start thinking and about ourselves as responsible for our destinies. And prior to that thinking, there wasn't as much of that. But now there are many people out there who, who really are saying, if you think it, you can make it happen. You have to think positive to make it happen. The problem, however, with that kind of thinking, as I elucidate in the book, 
uh, the law of attraction, the soul's answer to why it isn't working and how it can, is that we are not tapping into the soul first. We're, we're talking about thinking. Thoughts can do all kinds of things. You know, if I told a suicidal client, for example, that his thinking or her thinking was going to create his future, what would I be saying to that client? Would I be saying, oh, well, you're going to commit suicide because you're thinking those thoughts today? I can't say that in good conscience because we have all kinds of thoughts that run through our minds that come and go. And they have more, no more validity than the wind blowing in terms of how, what's going to be an outcome. So we can't really, that's kind of scary <laughs> for most people to be saying, your thoughts are how you create your future. No, your spirit, your soul, your divine nature is how you create your future or not based upon whether or not you are going to get in touch with that. And that is our only job is to be with that divine nature that we are, to be it. Um, and our job isn't to improve self. Our, our job is to be self. That's why on this show we talk so much about authentic living because our job is is to live authentically, to live into who we are so that if I'm an oak tree, I'm not going to be trying to be a pine tree. I'm going to be an oak tree. If I'm an acorn, I'm going to grow up to be an oak tree. Uh, and I'm not going to grow up to be a pine tree or an elm tree or any other kind of tree. I'm going to grow up to be an oak tree because that's who I am. That's my essence. And so now I'm not talking about genetics, although genetics do factor into some of what we do. I'm talking about soul. And soul, genetics, body, mind, they're all one. We just don't know it. We just forgot all that after we decided to experiment with form. And in the process of creating a change then, what we, or a shift in, in our, our lives or our world, what we need to do is get in touch with what's really true inside of us. So back to the idea of buying a car. If I want to go buy a car and I just tell myself I have to have a car because, you know, I've, I've, driven this old clunker long enough and it's time for me to go get a car that may or may not be coming from my soul it might be coming from a need to uh, uh, best my neighbor who just bought a car it might be coming from fear that if I don't have a car my old clunker is going to die it might be coming from uh, uh, an idea that my father bought a car every three years so I have to buy a car every three years it might be coming from all kinds of things other than soul. And if it's not coming from soul, then it's coming from the belief that we're separate from the divine. And that is going to just manifest more of the belief that we are separate from the the divine. So we'll seek out proof that we are separate from the divine and renegotiate our reality based on that. So if I start off the new year saying that I'm going to lose 30 pounds um, and I that does not come from soul, then um, I'm going to be go back to the familiar, the separation from the divine, in order to try to manifest that. Will I be successful? I, I don't know. It could I could be successful, um, even from the notion that I'm separate from the divine. But will it come from truth? Will it be something that that can be eternal because it comes from eternal truth? Probably not. Will I lapse back into all familiar thinking at some point and maybe gain that weight back? That could be. That could be. Um, so 
what I'm saying here is that if we want something to really last, we need to come from spirit. And when we come from spirit and, and the spirit of that new beginning, what we need to think of is, what we need to be thinking is in terms of effortless effort. Now, what do I mean by effortless effort? What I mean is that, um, something comes very natural. It's like an acorn grows into an uh, oak tree. It does it very naturally. I mean, we might think in terms of, oh, well, that, that acorn must be working pretty hard to make that happen. But really, when we look at it as just a natural process, there is work in terms of a scientific term. There is energy going on, but it's coming from something very so natural, almost uber-natural, that it just is what's in the acorn to do, and so the acorn just does it. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about effortless effort. We are out of touch with that natural part of ourselves. We are, we have lived so much into believing that we're separate from the divine and into this effort, idea that we must strive and, and work hard and change and grow and la 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 to make our lives happen that we, that we have forgotten about the natural part of us that will just do what it does because it's in it to do. That is authentic energy. And it, it, we can feel it when it happens. You know when it happens. Um, sometimes when I'm writing, it just feels like it's being written through me. Um, and that's what a lot of people describe is it feels like divine intervention. It feels like it's just happening. And there's a passion and a peace and joy that comes with that. That just, it's because it feels so natural. You're just doing what is there to do. We're just, it's just coming from within you. And you're not pushing the river. You're not trying to make it happen. It's happening because it's in you to make it happen. Okay? So, I'm not talking about magic here. I'm talking about natural. Natural. What is our nature? Our deepest, essential, authentic nature. That is what creates real new beginnings. And, the other new beginnings, yeah, they can, they might work, but they're not really authentic. They're not really coming from something authentic. There's been times in my life when I've lost weight, and I did it successfully, but I can tell you it was not coming from um, spirit. It was coming from some driving force in me that was willing to starve me in order to, to make me lose weight. Um, so... That is not authentic, and that is not natural. It was a push. It was a striving. That's why we see in the Old Testament uh, a, a verse in Psalms, that, or the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, that says, Cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving to know that I am God. What that essentially says is, in order to know our own I am, in order to know that we are God, we must see striving. And when people hear that, they think, well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit around on my thumbs all day? What, well, you know, how can I just do that? Nobody can do that. We gotta eat. We gotta earn money. You gotta get up and get to busy, get working. God helps those who help themselves. That's our, that's one of our mantras here in America. Um, well, okay. Then do that. That's what you believe. Go do it. There'll be no harm in that because your soul will be active anyway. But if you want to know I am that I am. You want to know yourself as I am, then you have to cease striving. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to do anything. It means that you're not going to strive while you're doing it. 
That is what is effortless efforts. No striving, but doing it anyway. And it just comes from something very basic and natural within us, just like turning into an oak tree comes as a very basic and natural process for that acorn. So in terms of where we're going, where we want to go, in terms of a goal, we need to first be asking ourselves some questions. Okay, I want to lose 30 pounds. Why do I want to lose that? Let me ask myself about that. And, you know, we might come up with all kinds of reasons. It'll lower my blood pressure. It'll make me healthier. It'll it'll maybe lower my cholesterol. It'll uh, make me a fitter person. It'll make me stronger. I'll have more energy, la, 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 la. All those things might be true, and they are true for most people when it comes to obesity. But what is your soul's reason for wanting to lose weight? If you can get in touch with that and be that, you'll lose weight, and you'll lose it in a way that is natural, that is not driven or compulsive or anorexic or bulimic or any other uh, a kind of extreme way of losing weight. Um, you know, in our in our society, even those who aren't anorexic and bulimic are being told to just you know cut way 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 back. So we're we're pushing that thing, even though. It isn't healthy for us to push it. So we could say, well, yeah, I want to be healthy. I want to lose weight so I'll be healthy. But then we got this unhealthy drive to do it. So what is healthy after all? Okay. So it's got to come from someplace real in order to be real. Uh, and the, the, the way of change that pushes and, and prods and criticizes and, 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 and drives like a, a horse, uh, you know, the whip drives a horse. That that way is not natural. That is not natural to who we are. That is striving, and it will not get us in touch with our souls. So if you're out there listening today and you want to lose weight, I recommend a good book to you. There's a uh, written by Marianne Williamson, A Course in uh, Weight Loss. It was written uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and uh, it's still a great book. Lots of working exercises in there that can kind of help you get in touch with what it is that you're doing and not doing in terms of your thinking and feeling and behaving with regard to food and with regard to body weight and body image um, that can really help you begin that process in an authentic way. Uh, what we tend to want to do is 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 just make a decision, push ourselves, and make it happen. Back in the late 1990s, uh, just at the beginning of the new millennium, there was a lot of talk about um, fearlessness, being unafraid. And then the New Age movement, there became this idea that fear was the enemy. Fear and love were not the same thing. And therefore, they couldn't, if you're afraid, then you're not loving. And if you're not loving, then you're not going to get the results you want. Well, what I want to say is fear is also a form of love because there isn't anything that isn't love. Fear is a form of self-love. It's a form that says, uh-oh, I have to protect myself. Now, the reason we have fear is because we think we're separate from the divine. Not because we're not loving, but because we think we're separate from the divine. And in that, in that fear, what we're, what we tend to do is get compulsive and drive ourselves out of that fear to do something, to perform something, to have something, to know something, to be something, in order to be okay. Why would we want to be okay? Because we love ourselves. So fear and love are not separate. Uh, but they are, uh, but they do come from a different source. 
that one comes from the belief that we're separate from the divine and the other comes from the belief that we are divine. Um, so um, when we think in terms of, of ourselves as recipients, then we begin to get what it means to have a new beginning. And that's what I really want to put out there today. When we think of ourselves as recipients, then we begin to get a grip on what it means to really have a new beginning. And that is counterintuitive for most most Americans, most people in the Western world, who think that we have to strive and show ourselves worthy and get out there and do the thing. Well, that's when we are working against ourselves. So we're going to talk more about how it is that we work against ourselves and how it is we can get in the flow of a real new beginning right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Have you discovered you? Each week, listen for Discover You Radio with host Debbie Regale. Debbie and her featured guests will help you to discover your true passions, fears, abilities, and motivations. Too many times in life, we forget the energy and drive of our youth. Who we are hasn't been changed, just perhaps our perception of it has. Let Debbie help you with your own self-discovery and reignite that fire that is still within you. Discover You Radio is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is also sponsored by a six-week learning program being developed by the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Everyone has experienced the loss of a loved one, family member, friend, or pet. It's a part of living. How does understanding death inform how we live our lives? Death makes life possible is based on an amazing 
interviews gathered for a book, documentary film, and 10 years research project. Anthropologist, author, and educator Marilyn Schlitz guides participants through a six-week transformational learning program that provides practical tools to work with grief, examines cultural practices and beliefs, as well as explores the scientific evidence for the continuation of consciousness after bodily death. Understanding our fears can help us overcome them. So if you're interested in that six-week learning program or if you want to watch the trailer for the movie that is also being edited even now, Go to www.noetic.org slash deathmakeslifepossible slash home and you can see the trailer. And today we're talking about how it is to do, that we can develop a new beginning and make it work for us and for the world. And uh, what we've been talking about is this whole thing of reception. That's what we uh, we said just before the break that... If we can think of ourselves as receivers, then we begin to get what it means to authenticate a real new beginning in our lives. Because that's what we are. We are receivers. We tend to think in our Western mindset, in matter of fact, in our dualistic mindset, we tend to think in terms of being givers. We are the givers. We are the noble ones who give and love and we share and we, we go out there and we conquer and we're this great people. But the thing is that we are divine beings and everything that we do is as divine beings is pure reception. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. The Buddha talked about the self that it was a no self. Um, uh, uh, the Bhagavad Gita talks about the divine self which all roads lead to. And so we see this in all religions, that the, the basic idea is this, that if I'm a divine being, then I am receiving from my nature all that I need to do to, to create the fulfillment of that nature. Just like the acorn is has a, uh, an oak tree within it, the, who, the essence of who I am has the fulfillment of who I am within it. So if I want to create change in my life, I must get with that natural part of me. And to do that, I have to put myself in a receptive mode. I have to begin to the process of being the receiver rather than the giver. Because um, when I'm in receiver mode, then spirit, that is soul, just takes over. And in its natural, very natural way, effortless effort begins to accomplish that which it is set about to do. When Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative, he was saying two very, very important things. The first of these is that everything I do out of the idea that I'm separate from the divine is nothing. I want to say that again. Anything that I do out of the belief that I am separate from the divine is actually nothing. Nothing is actually happening there. But if I do something out of the initiative of the divine within me, then it is something. So everything that I do, everything that Jesus did was initiated by the divine within him. What he called the Father, which if you break down that word, actually means source. So there is an original source inside of him, and he is a role model for all of us, as well as the Buddha and many other of the great master teachers of the world. There are models for us for how to live in our nature, in our truest divine essence. 
And as we live in that essence, what happens is effortless effort begins to take over because we set the part of us that believes itself separate from the divine down. We sit it down and let it be still. Let it cease striving. And then, because we're not in the way anymore, then the real energy takes over. The other thing that is nothing has no say-so in it. And actually, that's how it is all the time. We just don't know it. And so there are things that are happening at a soul level, even when we're acting out of the belief that we're separate from the divine. The the the, the soul is still gathering the the parts of that that are real and bringing them home to us as and evolving us as we go through lifetime after lifetime, incarnation after incarnation, becoming more true to who we actually are as divine beings. So that process is unfolding, whether we know it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether we ever practice it or not. It's still unfolding, and it will continue to unfold. But we have a choice about whether or not we're going to surrender to it. And it makes life a lot easier if we do. So, uh, and I'm not saying we won't ever have problems. I won't ever, I'm not saying we won't ever have grievous experiences or that we won't feel loss. But I am saying that when we live in a sense of ourselves as a divine being, we detach much more from from the events in our lives that would cause suffering. And we don't experience them in the same way. We experience them as another evolutionary process. Um, so would we say that perhaps the oak tree might feel some pain when it's trying to push through the earth and become that little tree? You know, from a humanistic, pers- from a human perspective, we might say, well, yeah, that, that looks pretty painful. That looks like a lot of effort. But if we think of it in terms of natural receiving what is in, in the acorn to do, then it becomes a whole different matter. So how do we begin to get into the receptive mode? Well, first we have to understand that, that, that there is a receptive mode, that the receptive mode is possible for all of us, that we can sit back away from that belief that we are separate from the divine and allow the divine to work within us and as us. And as we do that, then we begin to experience it. And once we've experienced it just once or twice, it, it's like, oh, okay, I get that now. It's like, oh, I see how that works. So that's A. It has to be experienced. But B, there is a process in which we can begin to just um, allow ourselves to get into the receptive mode. And that is by um, the the recognition of ourselves as authentic beings. There are parts of our our heads, our thoughts, that as you've as you've read, many of us have read, that our thoughts can be either negative or positive. I don't agree with that either, but that's what we've read. And that our emotions can be either negative or positive. And again, I don't agree with that because I think we've divided all of life into these positive and negative sort of integers for how we're measuring and standardizing our lives. And in so doing, we're missing the merit and the meat of what each one of these thoughts and feelings has to give us as a gift. When we can realize that each one of these thoughts and feelings has a gift to give us, now we're in the receptive mode. Now we're in the receiving mode. Now we're saying, oh, okay, I can receive something from this emotion. Let's say we got some big old rage going on. Now, most people would say, uh-oh, you better do something about that quick before it explodes all over somebody else. 
And we certainly have seen instances where rage was misused to harm and do a great deal of harm to other people. But we don't have to use it that way. And I've even had clients say, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't hurt anybody, so I wasn't mad. I'm like, well, wait a minute now. Did you feel mad? <laughs> I mean, can we not even acknowledge anger as a feeling until it becomes that behavior? I'm sorry, but for a lot of us, that's the truth. We don't acknowledge it until it becomes a behavior. And then it's like, oh my God, what did I just do? That's not in a receptive mode. <laughs> that is us not paying attention to what's going on inside of us. When we begin to pay attention to what goes on inside of us, we are in the receptive mode. And when we say, I'm not going to judge what's inside me, I'm not going to put a label on it and say it's positive or negative, and if it's negative, try to repress it, what I'm going to do is find out what that gift has to give me. So what does rage have to give me? Well, the first thing is, just like we talked about fear a little while ago, anytime we have rage, we are loving ourselves. Why would we get that mad about something we didn't care about? Hello. So there is a form of love in rage. Now, if we bottom that out to its to its baseline level, what we're really saying is rage is just raw energy. And what is the essence of raw energy but its divine nature? Okay? So it has a gift to give us. Now, if I can take that rage and use it as a message to me, for me, about me, instead of to you, for you, about you, <laughs> then I might... Get something out of it. That is the receptive mode. That is how we begin to really receive. And as we begin that process of receiving, we begin to be able to manifest. That is what manifestation is all about. It's not about thinking good thoughts and making sure that we don't have any negative feelings. It's about learning how to receive what is there for us to open up that gift and use it. Okay, and that happens as an effortless energy when we when we really are in the receptive mode. So when I'm enraged, I might have to discover what is it that my rage is telling me about me. What is it saying about me? Not uh, not about somebody else. Not about what somebody else ought to do. But what is it saying about me? Is it? It might be saying that I shut myself down that I push myself away, that I don't care enough for myself. And because I don't, I'm waiting around for you to do the caring for me. It might be saying that I need you to change so that you can show me that you care for me because I refuse to take care of me. It might be saying all kinds of things, but it opens up the doors of awareness if I start to listen. If I just push it away and say, oh, that's a bad feeling, I don't need to have that, then I haven't gained anything. I've simply repressed it, and I promise you, it's coming back out because it is an energy, and it will come back out later because energy can't be stopped. Okay? It, ha- it will accomplish what it came to accomplish. So reception is ceasing to strive, and it's in ceasing to strive that we come to know who we are as divine beings. Cease striving to know that I am God. And... That process is one where we we allow ourselves to meditate. We get in the process of meditating. And by meditating, I don't mean relaxation techniques, although that's nice. You can do that too. And I don't mean making your thoughts stop because that's striving. I mean sitting and just being with what is there. Now, 
we might look at that and say, well, how is that going to accomplish anything? And what I will tell you is that there are millions of meditators all over the world who would tell you that that is everything of meditation. That is the essence of meditation. It is being able to to be with what is. That means whatever comes up, you can be with it. Whatever, whatever thought, emotion, um, worry, anxiety, whatever comes up, we can be with it. It doesn't mean saying, "Oh, you need to go away and let me um, let me take over here because I know I'm smarter than that thing that's just come up, and I know that it does not need to be here because I've got a plan for my life and I'm going to carry it out because I'm the person who's in charge here." That's how we've been taught to think. We've been taught to trust intellect and thought instead of what is what is the process. We have not been taught to trust the process, but as surely as a river runs to the sea, there is a process of fulfillment that is taking us to its destination. Our soul is getting us something that we came here to get in this particular lifetime. I don't know what it is for you. I'm not even sure what it is for me, but I know my soul is carrying me there. And I know that when I get there, I will go, oh, okay, that's what that is. I know that I have been carried in the past to certain things, like I understand now, the power of empathy. I understand that in a deep primal level because I was carried there by my soul. My soul took me to that knowledge and it is knowledge on which we can stand. It is knowledge on which we can totally stand and be. That is what we came here to do. We came to get the knowledge of what it is to be in form and also be a divine being. And when we operate in the receptive mode, we get that information. It just is downloaded to us. So I truly encourage deep meditation that doesn't just stop our thinking, doesn't just relax us, but allows us room to just be with what is. I encourage that. And I also encourage uh, the the acorn, the mentality of the acorn that is so natural that it just does what it does because it's in it to do. If you can get down to that place where effortless effort takes over, your beginnings will have ends. And they won't be because you stopped in the middle. Because it, It'll be because you carried it all the way through to its completion. So when you're starting your new beginning this year, I hope that you will do it by getting in touch with soul. By allowing soul to be heard and seen and felt and manifested in your life. Let it be received so that it can then radiate outward. That's how that works. So we're done for today. Next week we're going to be talking to Anodia Judith and uh, Lion Goodman about the idea of of uh, creating on purpose, deliberately creating. It's a little bit about what we've been talking about today, so we're going on with the same theme. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Anodia Judith uh, is, is a very popular author, and we'll be talking to her as well as Lion Goodman, co-author of the book Create on Purpose. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.